I Vegopodden pratar vi om den nya gröna maten, de senaste trenderna och hur du egentligen värder åt för att göra de rätta valen för din egen hälsa, djuren och vår planet. Det blir helt enkelt mat och livsstil med ett helhetstänk. Idag träffar jag min kille Amanpreet Singh Sangha. Vi driver nu tillsammans den indiska bloggen Indian Enough och Instagram-kontot med samma namn. Vi pratar indisk matlagning, myter och missförstånd. Vi pratar om saker som har chockat honom med indisk mat i västvärlden. I never came across mango lassi. Uh, I thought maybe you were talking about a milkshake. <laughs> like a mango milkshake. And uh, lately, recently I was talking to my sister and she's like, yes. So she's my sister's been living in Canada for 11 years now. And she's like, yeah, that's the first thing that even blew my mind when I got here. Like, what is this obsession with mango lassi? Är indisk mat stark? Är den svår att göra? Är alla vegetarianer i Indien? Och vad äter man egentligen under en dag i Indien? We don't really have like, you know, like, you know, something uh, amazingly breakfast, breakfast thing. Like, and also, we don't really do cold breakfast. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Our breakfasts are hot as well. I mean, of course, there will be people who are health conscious and everything will be like, no, I want my yogurt bowl and muesli. Fine, that also happens. But more often than not, it is a dal and a sabzi. Jag heter Mattias Kristiansson och är chefredaktör för tidningen Vego. Glöm inte att prenumerera på Vego-podden så att du inte missar nästa avsnitt. Nu kör vi. Välkommen till Vego-podden, Amman! Hej, hej allihopa! Så Amman är då min pojkvän som flyttade hit från Indien i november. Och det är många som har undrat vem man är, vill du veta mer. Så han ska få prata om det. Men framförallt ska han få prata om indisk mat, matkultur, vegetarisk mat i Indien. Och, och massa sånt här som vi, vi undrar. Så det här, det här är jättespännande. Are you excited? Yes. Well, we have, we have started a new blog and yes, an have. Insta account. Uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit? about it so yeah uh, well it goes by the name indian underscore enough or basically indian enough mm. so the whole idea here is that uh, i well when when my matthias took me out to the indian restaurants and in here in sweden and everything uh i always had this little bit of uh how shall i put it this little feeling in my heart that something is missing Like, just like, you know, maybe it could be just a pinch of uh, chili or a pinch of turmeric or something. That that little something is missing. Mm. So that's where the idea popped up. And, well, Matthias being Matthias, he was like, yes, let's uh, grab this by the strings. And uh, we started this little project uh, where we are going to uh, try to create Indian dishes as authentic as possible with uh, taking into account the limitations of the local market, the local uh, product availability. But yes, one thing that we, well, I kind of sort of knew it beforehand and Matthias also agrees with me now is Indian food isn't that difficult. I know, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about that later because there's a lot of like myths and misconceptions about Indian uh, food and cooking. Um, also, we're working on a cookbook, uh, and the cookbook is coming this fall, uh, hopefully in September. Uh, but we're gonna post more about that later. But it's 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 so amazing. Yes, it is. But can you start by saying something about your background, like where you're from, and yeah. Right. So I come from Amritsar. 
So which is basically a small city in the region of Punjab. Mm. Now, Amritsar has its on its head the crown of being the food capital of uh, the Punjab region. So uh, also the thing is that the Punjab that we might Google right now and see in India, that wasn't always the Punjab. Uh, that seems like a small state, but it was pretty uh, big and had a much diverse uh, audience and food uh, culture. So I grew up in Amritsar, first born, and you know all that Indian. Um, how shall I put it? All the Indian pluses that come with being the first born in a typical Orthodox middle class uh, family. They were there. Uh, I am a Sikh. If you go into religious denominations, but I don't really follow religion. Oh, your mother is listening. Uh oh, <laughs> mommy, I'm a good Sikh. <laughs> uh, that being said, I would say that my upbringing was slightly uh, not very traditional mm. because we were well. If I might use the words loosely, we were thrown into the kitchen, into the household chores pretty early by um, by my parents that you don't know you have to be able to fend for yourself you cannot expect somebody else to cook and clean mm. for you so yeah, that's where my romance with food started i would say yeah mm. and what did you do like work with in in uh, mean uh, so professionally uh, oh well we could talk about your whole life But I'm I'm just uh, <laughs> yeah, picking just picking out the, mm. the cherries. Uh, well, my professional and my passion was and has and will be fashion. I was uh, a fashion designer. I had a menswear label back home in India. To uh, it was retailing out of two boutiques, uh, and uh, yeah, it was started from scratch, and I saw it build up. I've I've done that, you know, that typical Indian thing that you hear of about Indians and a few other people that we work long hours. I've done those twenty-hour <laughs> days as well, and it was fun. Yeah. Yes, I had to leave it all behind. Okay, so <laughs> I want to hear your version of uh, how we met. Oh, the short one or the long one? Well, the short one and the and the censored one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here I am, a sweet, innocent Indian boy, traveling through Scandinavia, here to attend a wedding. So my best friend from back home in Amritsar was getting married uh, in uh, Yottebri. Yottebori. 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 Uh, so and he invited me for his wedding, and I just thought, oh well. If I am coming, might as well take in, you know, a little bit of the scenery mm. and see what the local culture has to offer. Uh, my first stop was Helsinki. Then I was in Stockholm. I was in Stockholm from the 21st of July 2019 till the 25th. And well, as a young, innocent, impressionable Indian boy, hap would happened to do i was swiping on tinder swiping left and right and well i happened to chance upon this amazing uh wait editor-in-chief mm -hmm. on tinder and i swiped right well guess what he swiped right too you know i'm exotic and beautiful 
Uh, so we then uh, we decided to meet the next day. We met. We went for a walk. We went for a couple of uh, glasses of wine. Mm-hmm. We were talking, talking. Then we, you know, spend more time together. And all I remember from that evening is that we went to Max. Max, yeah. Max Hotorie. Hato- uh, at like around 12 or half past 12 for dinner. Because apparently, no, not just apparently, evidently, in the summer, restaurants also shut pretty early, a lot of them. Mm. Um, so I initially thought that, okay, that's about it. Met him, we've had our, you know, everything and all. So I was to leave for uh, Stockholm, uh, for uh, Gothenburg in a couple of days. But then we met the next day again, went around town again, Miller's Garden and everything. And then the entire thing turned uh, digital, talking online, WhatsApp and everything. This gentleman flew down to Helsinki before I left for India just to spend another evening with me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, long story short, long story short. I landed in India, one week into us talking, he planned his travel to India, and ta-da, here I am. You can mention something about love, maybe? Oh, that happened too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, it's like, two, it's, uh, this summer it's two years. Yes. It's crazy. Um, okay, let's talk Indian food and Indian cuisine. Um, how would you describe, like, Indian food? very easy to make <laughs> and that's <laughs> it's okay it is rich it is heavy it'll fill you up it'll make you feel at home it'll make you feel loved mm. but trust me it is very easy and also uh, okay because it, it's hard to talk about indian uh, cuisine because it's um so varied and it's so like regional and it looks so different depending on where you are mm-hmm. um Um, we can start just can we can you start saying something about the Punjab food right so like you said it is true uh, no one person or no one statement can actually you know be the end all of it all when it comes to Indian cuisine but if you're talking about Punjabi food and Punjabi cuisine and this is in North India I don't know yeah. if you said that yeah so north of one hour north of Delhi ish yeah uh, so uh, that would be a majorly dairy based like everything like even our oil which is ghee comes from dairy our drinks are dairy our you know uh, paneer hmm. that our cheese is dairy so everything is dairy based lots of frying hmm. deep frying and lots of sugar syrup hmm. that's our desserts so it's that being said it it's not necessarily always that heavy mm. Like if you are in in my kitchen mm. with my mother cooking or I'm cooking, we're not that heavy with the oil. Mm. But like uh, when it comes to, you know, when if I would want to impress somebody or like really make the flavors pop and make that food be like finger licking yeah. good, that's oil. But also, isn't that like the restaurant trick? Oh, yes. At oil. Uh, you were kind of uh, uh, touch, touching it, but the people having this idea of Indian um, cooking being hard um, and complicated. And uh, so that's one of the misconceptions. Um, 
do do you have any more misconceptions that you're irritated uh, with? And we can also go through them. <laughs> yes, explain it. <laughs> well, uh, uh, okay. The whole thing of that Indian food is very spicy. Oh yeah. Indian food is flavorful. Mm. Yes. It can be mild, it can be hot. Yes, I agree with that. But that but that being said, it's not like always spicy like it'll burn your, you know, it's not something which you cannot uh develop uh, a taste for. Mm-hmm. I'm not it's not like, you know, it's we are chewing on chilies and you know like gang yum yum like oh yes, that is Indian food. <laughs> so, uh that uh and uh, another thing that uh, but also like the the like we always talk about this with chili and indian food yet yeah, gives a heat and it gives like a kick but um you could replace it with like paprika if you don't like the chili and you won't like lose the whole soul of the, the indian cooking because Absolutely. it's like the spices it's not the yeah, heat it's not the heat that's the thing it's but somehow it's like uh, whenever i've spoken to anybody like you know anywhere they're like oh indian food it's so hot Yeah, but it's not. Mm. I mean, yes, if it's made badly, any food can be hot yeah. if you don't really know what you're doing. So yeah. Mm. Can you say something about the Indian food being complicated? Because I don't really know where that comes from, but but I feel that's a beautiful uh, valid point you raised, but I feel that uh, it comes from the fact that mostly when it comes to like the western world's introduction or you know uh tryst with in uh, indian cuisine it's been through the eyes of uh like if it's through the eyes of somebody who's like you know looking uh in from outside and they see like ooh there is this chili there is this there is that but that doesn't take time hmm. you know uh, uh putting chilies into oil or putting spices into oil does not take time The only time I feel that it might take is some prep. But oh, then yeah. if you're not ready to chop some onions and some ginger. Mm. Mm. And also I think people have I mean we also have I mean rec- like recognize that there are time consuming recipes like you know making dosa it takes basically two days to get the batter for these Indian pancakes and stuff like that but like the everyday food Uh, it's 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 made by everybody. Yeah. Like it, it's and it's so funny now that like you've taught me a lot about Indian food that it's um, it's very simple food. It's just sim- It's the kind of the same techniques for like a lot of dishes. Um, but also, I think people have this idea that it's uh, like strange ingredients uh, and straight strange strange spices. But I mean, you've been here. You, we can find everything in the like a Absolutely. regular store even in the regular ika yeah um and of course there's also you know the specialized yeah uh, yeah um we have to because you're vegetarian yes sir. um and how did you become a vegetarian <laughs> that's a funny story uh if people don't laugh now <laughs> well it's a story riddled in indian uh myths and you know superstitions hmm So I'd gone white for a, a, a year. When I say gone white, I'd taken a gap year. Okay. Like I'd quit my job and I was just, you know, not doing anything. Like just taking time off. Mm. My mother got really worried. So she started talking to, you know, 
neighbors and everything. Somebody recommended, oh, why don't you go to this person? He's very learned. He can he knows astrology and everything. And evidently, the solution for every problem in India is give up alcohol, give up meat. Hmm. Um, that's what was told to me, and uh, just to keep my mother happy and me see a smile <laughs> on her face. Oh, fine, okay. And also, I never was a big meat eater. Mm. Uh, contrary to a lot of popular belief, uh, India, we're majorly chicken eaters. You know, we're not that crazy over beef or everything oh, yeah. and all that stuff. And I wasn't even that crazy for chicken. So giving it up wasn't easy. Uh, wasn't difficult, sorry. Mm. And yeah, and I did take up drinking again, but I don't eat meat. Mm. <laughs> That's how it happened. Uh, I, I was just looking up, uh, uh, got statistics from BBC that uh, between like 25 to 35 percent of Indians are vegetarians. Mm-hmm. But like the, the the what do you call it, like general the, the general perception perception is that basically all Indians are, are vegetarians. So how I would address it is that as is that we are vegetarians on most days of the week, and then we are non-vegetarians or meat eaters when we generally step out of the house, mm. go to a restaurant or something, because, uh, so, uh, I'm going to break into a little bit of uh, Hindi here, ghar ki murgi dal barabar, which basically is that something that you've been doing every day doesn't really, shouldn't ha- be done maybe when you're doing f- like a special occasion or something, mm-hmm. right? So if you're out for s- celebrating or something, of course you want something which you won't be making at home, you know, you're, you've been boiling dals all week long. Mm. Might as well have a butter chicken. Mm. Um, yeah. So, but it is, and I don't know where it comes from, but maybe there was a larger uh, uh, part of the I don't know, Indian population that were vegetarians. Uh, historically speaking, yes. Because uh, now this is, uh, this also borders onto religion and everything. So like the Hindu religion, You know, uh, it does, if you go like really into the roots and everything, it does uh, prescribe or suggest that you should not be eating meat. Then there's Jainism. So all of that is there. Mm. But, you know, the thing is, things evolve. And uh, like you said, restaurants coming in, other cuisines coming in. There are a lot of things which you can't really adapt, even Mm. though a lot of cuisines have been adapted to Indian tastes. So you end up like, you know, like, uh, and also uh, another major factor was the British. Oh, yeah. And them ruling us when they did not take to vegetables kindly, I Mm. believe. So, yeah, that's when meat really started becoming more of a mainstream thing. Yeah. Uh, So uh, with our blog and the uh, Indian Enough uh, Insta account, the, the most common question is, what do you, what do we need, what do Indians eat for breakfast? So um, maybe you can go through like a, a whole day breakfast, lunch, maybe snack and dinner. What do people eat in India? Okay, so on a regular day to day basis. Oh, and we should probably say North India, right? Yeah, yeah. That's where I can be like I can tell you with my hands tied behind my back. It is not three different uh, like three drastically separate different meals in a day. We make, uh, let's say, a dal and a sabzi in the and morning. A, and a dal is? <laughs> a dal is lentil, 
stew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a sabzi. And a sabzi is like, you know, uh, grand soccer mm. made the oil and spices and everything, mm-hmm. like with the tarka and the masala and all. Mm. Like a dry veggie. Uh, we, we do that in the morning. And then there's roti, which is a flat bread, like a chapati, uh, which you might say. Yeah. And that gets eaten till dinner. We have that for breakfast mm. with the dal and the sabzi. We, had, we have that for dinner. We have that for lunch. We don't really have like, you know, like, you know, something uh, amazingly breakfast, breakfast thing. Mm. Like, and also, we don't really do cold breakfast. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Our breakfasts are hot as well. Mm. I mean, of course, there will be people who are health conscious and everything. who will be like, no, I want my yogurt bowl and muesli. Mm. Fine, that also happens. But... More often than not, it is a dal and a sabzi. But you also have like other breakfast dishes. Well, uh, yes, we do. And that comes on to like, you know, the specialized side. Like, you know, like uh, on the weekends, you might when you know, you feel like, you know, okay, let me take it easy and everything. You could have puri, you know, the deep fried puffed bread. Yeah. They look uh, like big, hollow, I don't know, bo- uh, like, I don't know, footballs. <laughs> yeah, persist. <laughs> absolutely. You have them with chole, you know, panja- uh, chickpeas, yeah. like spicy and like uh, with, uh, you know, sauce and everything. Uh, there's parathas, the stuffed parathas, like aloo parantha, mm. uh, gobi parantha, muli parantha. Mm. Now, see, uh, the thing is, a paranta does require more work than just rolling out a roti. Oh, yeah. Right? So that's why in general households, these get, unless until you have help, you know, if you're doing it all by yourself, these get, uh, you know, relegated to those maybe a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning task when you can take it easy, have breakfast even at 10 Mm. and then, you know, just relax. Mm. Uh, There are a few drinks which could be, Coupled with this, there's lassi, like a yogurt-based, thick mm. yogurt-based sweet drink. Oh, I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And also, like, if you go south, like in South India, they have, like, the dosa, the pancakes, they have idli, the the steamed rice cake. Oh, yes. Like, they have other stuff, but it's never... it, it It's what we in Sweden would consider, like, a lunch or a dinner. Mm. Um um should we oh no we're gonna take that later we're gonna talk about lassi <laughs> but um uh, you were talking about so we have fika I, i've introduced you to fika which in sweden is like a cookie cake mm-hmm. something sweet in the afternoon uh but you eat like other snacks that in our world like in okay well you know at indian restaurants it's like a first course mm-hmm. can you just say something about that so Well, firstly, we, we don't really do courses. Mm. Let me put it out there, right? Uh, and uh, as much as I love fika, mm. that's one of the two things I love about Sweden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we really don't have anything of that sort. And for us, we wouldn't really pair a cookie or a cake or anything with our tea. We would maybe pair pakoras. Which is? Which are fritters, like, you oh. know, like... Uh, <laughs> like an onion pakora, which would be like uh, uh, well, onion pak- 
Yeah, it's like an onion fritter. Fritter, like deep, uh, deep fried and mm. uh, with chickpea flour and everything. Or maybe have a samosa, mm. you know, which is, well, potato filling in a dumpling, yeah. deep fried again. Uh, never. Um, I, I, okay, let me not say never. There must be somebody eating sweets with their chai. Oh. But I, have, I haven't seen anybody go like, oh, yeah, let's have chai with, I don't know, gulab jamun or something. Oh, yeah. No, but it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we have a lot of like, because that's also what we, that's how we think Indian food is. Like, because we, we kind of adapt the whole, no, what, what do we say? We t- adapt our way of eating to your cuisine. But we have a lot, a lot of um, things that we have to clear. Uh, clear, I don't know what the right expression is. But so you were talking about lassi, mm-hmm. uh, and here in Sweden we love, and uh, like the whole Western world, we like mango lassi. Mm-hmm. And you said something interesting about that. So the first time I still remember the first time you bought it up, like you know, oh mango lassi. I really was like I had to take a step back. It's like wait. Have I been living under a rock or something? Because I thought I'm well-traveled and I, you know, I eat out a lot and I experience food. Because I never came across mango lassi. Uh, I thought maybe you were talking about a milkshake, Mm. (laughs) like a mango milkshake. And uh, lately, recently, I was talking to my sister and she's like, yes. So she's, my sister's been living in Canada for 11 years now. And she's like, yeah, that's the first thing that even blew my mind when I got here. Like, what is this obsession with mango lassi? Hmm. And it's only been recently, fairly recently, that, you know, uh, maybe in the bigger cities, where, which have a lot of tourist footfall, you know, to cater to uh, the, the, let's say, the tourist money. Oh, you were going to say white people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see. Uh-huh. Okay. But because you can't—that's the thing. You can't. You can you, you can't find it in India. Yeah. But so what's the what's the lassi for you? For us, lassi is just plain simple yogurt. Mm. Add the sugar to it. Bl- uh, churn it, blend it. Uh, then add some malai, which is basically cream. Oh yeah. Like solidified cream, mm. which has been kept in the freezer. Mm. For a few hours, so it's, it's this, and then you eat it with a spoon, the the malai, mm. and then you drink the lassi. Yeah, it's thick, it's heavy, <sighs> and it puts you to sleep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, I mean, we're guilty of this too uh, on our uh, Indian Enough uh, blog, but like the the, the word curry. Uh, do you know a little about the history? So you can explain. Yeah, a little bit, yes. Okay, so the time was when the British were our masters. <laughs> uh, well, basically, the thing is, uh, it was. This has been the case, and more often than not, not just with India, with a lot of other uh, uh, cultures and countries as well. That you know, outsiders come in and they're not really comfortable with how uh, uh, things are said. You know, I can't pronounce this and that, and then they just take whatever is convenient mm. and sounds relatively close to the original and just run with it. Mm. And that's what basically happened with curry. So like in India, we don't really have like, you know, curries, like in the Western sense. Sure, 
you will find it on some menus in the restaurants and everything. But that goes back to, again, like I said, so that, you know, when somebody from outside with money who's going to spend their money comes in, they see the familiar thing. Oh, this is like a paneer curry. I have seen this somewhere like back home so I can use that. The British went back home and then for some weird reason, which basically is that they thought it is easier to say it, just simply slapped this word curry all over Indian cuisine. Yeah. So it became... Cause, oh, sorry, because you, you had a good example where uh, when you described it to me, like you don't say like butter chicken curry, like people like a chicken curry. Yeah. But you say... For us, uh, it, it's, it, it would more uh, reflect to uh, something which is a sauce. Hmm. You know, something which has a liquid component to it. Hmm. That would be our curry. Hmm. Not a dish. Hmm. We don't have any dish in India which is like a lamb curry. Hmm. Whenever I would say or my mother would say curry, it would basically mean something which has a, 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 like a sauce or, or we even say gravy. Yeah. So you mean the gravy itself, not the dish? Not the dish. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I was interrupting you. Yeah. No, but because uh, maybe you can tie this together with the whole curry powder. Because uh, yellow curry powder, gul curry, uh, is like I grew up thinking this is like the this is Indian cooking. I mean, this is this is all you need. <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, f- uh, the first time I came across curry powder was when I moved to the states. Yeah. And uh, and see, I'm not judging or anything, but even Indian stores there stock it. Because again, you know, people coming in for the exotic, uh, you know, uh, nature of Indian cuisine. If somebody who's not Indian comes in, they would want to see something that they have read about and grown up with. Thanks to, again, our masters and overlords, the British. Uh, so yeah, the... That's the first time I actually myself came across the yellow curry powder. And Hmm. I don't know why it's used, to be honest. I mean, you know why it started. I mean, yeah. I mean, it it was basically, uh, I don't know. It was like they kind of wanted to take the the, the the flavor with them. Absolutely. And it's like a kind of a generic board. It's it's basically like, you know, uh, like one quick fix. Yeah. You know, like, okay, I don't have to, like, you know, do a little bit of a little bit of this, a spoonful of this. It gives me this sort of this almost the same visual Mm -hmm. and almost the same aroma profile. So that works. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, uh, I also feel maybe I I believe I could be wrong. that It it was easier to um, uh, adapt uh, or teach uh, cooks and everybody back home when the Mm -hmm. British went back home with just one ingredient rather than telling them that, you know, because... Let's be honest, nobody really paid attention to how Mm. a chicken stew was being made in India Mm. because it was Indians making it for everybody else. So it was easier to have that one uh, quick fix, like, you know, just drop a spoon of this. Oh, yes, this Mm. is it. Mm. Does it irritate you? Um, Rather than irritate, I find it funny. Oh, yeah. Because we were talking about like, uh, oh, so you've only been in Sweden for like five months or something, but... And we've been eating a lot uh, at restaurants, and we've been—I've uh, been showing you a lot of uh, co- Indian recipes in Swedish cookbooks and Indian recipes on Swedish Swedish uh, websites. What's what's uh, yeah? What's say something? 
I don't. Min English guy so I mean, first things first. I don't know why they have like a million and one ingredients. I know. I don't get it. Like you know, I've made. Uh, I'm sure that if I was to look for a Swedish recipe for an aloo paratha, it would have a million and one things, and I can basically make you an aloo paratha with. Oh yeah. But I think it's because we found like a palak paneer, which is fast food in India. Mm-hmm. Like you make it in like ten minutes, ten minutes, and there were like forty ingredients. And I think it's kind of the the whole idea of Indian cooking must be hard. It must uh, uh, have a lot of ingredients. Oh yeah, like because that, it, that idea. it fits the brand. It fits that yeah. image that you want to sell. The exotic yeah. and everything. Yeah. But also, it's it's interesting how few. And I mean, this is so uh, much uh, uh, an ad for our um, blog and our upcoming cookbook. But like, it's so interesting how few dishes that are actually showcased in Sweden, like at restaurants on websites, mostly on websites, I, I would say, but uh, and blogs. But it's 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 that those five dishes. Oh yes, <laughs> and. Uh, It's well. What do you think people are missing the most? With just like I mean, speaking about like Indian cuisine, like we have like the um, palak paneer, we have like the tikka masala that is British, not Indian, mm-hmm. but like we have like those butter chicken dishes. What do you think people are missing by not, you know, um, oh, eating more Indian food like? Okay. Like you were. Uh, mm. Firstly, I would say that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I must. Yes, I must say this. This is how we, me and Amon talk. Like uh, when I don't find the words, I usually just stare at him, and he usually starts you know, finding the words for me. <laughs> But now he was all blank. <laughs> I'm like, say something. So yeah, uh, here's the thing. Uh, what I believe is that first things first. I have said it before. I'll keep saying it again and again. That what you're missing out on is the simplicity of the Indian food, mm. right? And also, what you're missing on is that there is more to uh, Indian food than just naan. Mm. You know, even even with the stuffed naans, yeah. you you can have a paneer naan. You can have an uh, like a potato naan, and and then there's the parathas. Mm. I was like, uh, honest to God, surprised that they're not more widespread here. Oh yeah. I, because, like you know, that's basically one thing which almost every tourist would have eaten when they come to India. Mm. If you're staying at a decent hotel and that's there on the breakfast spread, uh, and what else do I think? Uh, you you're basically missing the whole thing that you know, with a very little effort, mm. little manipulation here and there, there is a huge variety of dishes that can be done. Yeah. Because I also felt like, especially as a vegetarian and, and vegan, um, we miss a lot. Because uh, yeah, we can veganize a palak paneer, we can veganize a butter chicken, but like there's so much, like naturally, like vegetarian vegan, yeah. vegan uh, dishes in India that nobody knows of. Like they, we know dal, and there's one dal, like and it's always red lentils because that's kind of the lentil we have, mm-hmm. but. In India, it's like the moong dal, the moong bana is the most common dal. So there's so much we're missing. And it's kind of, now that I know more, it's kind of sad because there's such yeah. big variety. By the way, we have to talk dal because dal is it's like the one dish people know of, mm-hmm. uh, especially as a, a vegan vegetarian. Um 
I don't have the question in the in, uh, in on the paper in front of you. <laughs> but, so, uh, so what, what's a doll and how is it made? Well, uh, like to in very simplified terms, doll is like a lentil stew slash soup. Yeah. Though I would stay away from the soup mm. uh, variety. Uh, so it's basically a soup. Uh, If you're not a meat eater, right, uh, even though uh, there might be now there are a lot of other uh, ways to get protein and everything. That's what we grew up on, you know, like dal, mm. have as much dal as you can because lentils have proteins. Mm -hmm. It was like dal in the morning, dal for lunch, dal for dinner. Mm. So and also we uh, tend to not really turn it into a soup, soup like, you know, like uh, like a blended version. You know, uh, the dal, the, the the lentils should have some sort of a form still intact. And then, yes, there is tarka. That yeah. is like, at least in North India, the tarka, which is onions, ginger, garlic, tomatoes and spices and oil and, and chili. You kind of, because you kind of boil the lentils by its own. Because yes. this is the thing, uh, like in Sweden... Uh, we usually do it like we do with every stew, like in Europe, I guess. Like you, you fry the onion and maybe garlic and chili, blah blah blah. Then you add the water. Then you add the lentils, and then usually some other non-Indian ingredients. <laughs> But uh, and then you boil that. But like in India, you you cook the lentils in one pot with usually a little turmeric, gurkmeja, um, and then you make the tarka. So that's you fry yes, it, right? We fry it, and then we. Uh, turn it into the dal, like mm. you know, and fold it in, and it's so easy. I mean, I it's so mind-blowingly easy. I, I mean, it's uh, it changed my whole world. Like just just knowing that technique, which is b the simplest thing ever, uh, and also you can prepare the tarka. You don't yeah. have to be like there standing over the exactly. Pot. Um, and also, like there are so many varieties of dals, right? Oh yes. And the thing is, uh, there's this one thing that I always make for you, which is like basically what my I, I'd seen my mother doing all these years. It's like if you're running low on, let's say, one of the dals, so you can just basically bring them all together. Mm. Masoor, moong, chana. Mm. I, I take a little bit of all, yeah. put them together. And it's... it's The mash, the, the you know, the, the blend that comes out, it's really nice. Yeah, I know. It's really good. Also, I must say, India, the, like cooking Indian, it's not harder. It's not harder to put in uh, five dried spices instead of three. Three. Uh, but the thing that struck me was that you use more than I'm used to. And I was so surprised. Like even with garlic and ginger, you, you, you use more than I would. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't get overpowered yeah and that's uh that kind of also blew my mind like oh wow it just adds more flavor <laughs> but like in my head it's like oh my god this is gonna yeah, be i remember the first time i was making parantas and i was chopping up the ginger and every garlic and you were like wait all yeah. of this goes into mm. one paranta." <laughs> i know <laughs> also we have to speaking of dolls because i mean i'm guilty of this there are recipes of mine for indian doll with potatoes and cauliflower mm. You have to say something, because you were shocked when you... <laughs> See, uh, now, that's the thing. Again, no judgment here. There might be some regions where they might be doing it, but that does not happen in 
70 percent of India. but we haven't seen any indian recipe which no like, i mean like like if you if you google like indian indian recipes mm. you won't that won't come up no it's generally like you know and i i feel maybe even if it's authored by an indian it would be aimed at western oh, yeah. audiences so that's why you know a cauliflower and a potato gets dropped in there because yeah. because you don't you don't have like vegetables in your doll yeah, other than just that one uh, bottle gourd oh, that yeah. we mix with the the, the chana dal, mm. never have I ever. <laughs> mm. I mean, and that, this is just for North India. Of course, in South India, they do have some uh, dals with uh, mangoes in them and everything. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So what do you think of the the Indian food in Sweden, like restaurants? So uh, it's too soon to pass a judgment out on all. I haven't been to all, but I do feel that uh, more often than not, it's an easy way out that's taken. Like, you know, maybe it's for the lack of uh, uh, information that, you know, maybe the clientele has or maybe they're not really, uh, maybe they're just going into a restaurant looking for those three, mm. you know, like you said, the most Googled or the most talked about dishes that every restaurant works on. And then that's about it. So... Yeah. Maybe in a couple of years or so, I guess, they will expand their uh, portfolios mm. when it comes to flavor profiles and everything. Mm. But that being said, there are a few restaurants that which we've been to which are really doing uh, a decent job. Which one? Uh, I do admire uh, Indian street food oh, yeah, a lot. I mean, I remember telling you the first time I had the samosa there that, mm. that this was... Like I, it, this that was better than the uh, samosa I would have had in the UK or in the US yeah. or in Canada for that matter, where we have a lot of Indians. Mm. It was definitely better than the samosas I've had in South Africa. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we talk about this a lot, and I feel like I'm uh, I, I get more uh, pr uh, provoked and irritated than you. But this whole thing with people, I guess it's just like interpreting or just changing the dishes. Uh, and I know I had the same uh, discussion with Sena about like people making hummus. Hummus li literally means chickpea, but you make it with whatever bean you have, and it's like everything with couscous becomes Moroccan. Uh, so we've seen a lot of recipes mm -hmm. like palak paneer with kale, and like even uh, there was one cookbook who had uh, chole batura, but no batura, which is the fried oh, bread. Yeah. Like, what do you f like? Because uh, like we can joke we can joke about it and laugh at it but there is like a problem doing it yeah absolutely see here is here's the thing uh there are certain things which should not be messed with mm. like like the example you gave chole bature the dish in itself tells you that i come in a pair <laughs> i am not one or the either because chole just like explain the words so chole is basically chickpeas, uh, the chickpea stew or the chickpea... Uh, uh, curry. curry. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and bature is the f deep fried uh, bread, mm. which uh, kind of sort of is shaped like a sock, uh, like a American uh, soccer ball and everything. Mm. The, of course, you can have them separately. Mm. But if you're saying chole bature, that basically means chole and a batura. Mm. It cannot be, you cannot say chole bature and just have chole with roti. Mm. 
That's just basically just changing the nature of the dish. Hmm. How do you do that? Hmm. You cannot do that. And I'm like, sure if if anybody was doing that with French cuisine, they would be up in arms. Oh yeah. But it feels like people don't really have the same respect for Indian cuisine. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, uh, basically, uh, at times I feel that a lot of people, I'm sure they might have some love and everything for Indian cuisine, but they act uh, act uh, like tourists. Even when they're introducing Indian cuisine to everybody else, they act like tourists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me just, you know, pick and choose mm. a few things. I, I have. So that being said, I have nothing against substitutions because there are times when you will not have the ingredients that might go into the original. Mm. But then a little bit of uh, wordplay would go a long way. Use inspired. You yeah. say that this is this is like uh this is inspired from palak paneer but doesn't have any palak. It has kale. So it could be a kale when you know or because palak means spinach. Spinach. Yes. Yeah. You know you cannot say palak paneer but I'm using but mm. I, yeah, both of them are green. Yes, I mm. get it. But kale is very different from palak. Yeah. I think it's all like I, I feel like it's everybody's responsibility. And I'm, I well, please don't uh, show me the receipts because I've, I've definitely not uh, done it every single time. But like, uh, I think it's kind of the, and that's kind of what we are trying to do now. Um, making dish and dishes and explaining it why why it's called uh, you know for instance palak paneer because it's spinach and it's paneer uh, and if we would make a palak paneer with kale we would explain like the, well, this is like a version right well it's probably not the palak paneer but uh, yeah. it's like a sag paneer whatever um so um i mean if it was called generic uh, medium green white goat cheese Fine, use whatever greens you want and call it whatever, but it's yeah. not called that. Yeah. Um. By the way, we should start. We should start a, a podcast about Indian food, shouldn't we? Yeah, it would be great. It would be. Um. Do you have any? Mo- oh yeah. Oh sorry, I missed the question. Um. Uh. About talis, because like <laughs> in Sweden, everybody seems to think that you eat at least eight small dishes every meal so nowadays uh, like more uh, in recent in recent uh, history or past whichever way one might put it yes of course thalis are and have been an important part of uh, indian cuisine yes but uh they were more important or featured in the day-to-day uh, aspect of the Indian kitchen maybe 50 years back. Mm. We still use them, but more they come out uh, out of the drawers and everything maybe if we are ordering in. Because let's be honest, in today's day and age, unless until you don't have two full-time helpers in the kitchen, you're not going to make eight dishes. Mm. So that entire decorative aspect of the thali with these little bowls that you see online, that exists in restaurants. Mm. That exists in places which generally need to serve a lot of food mm. quickly and then clean that place up quickly like a community kitchen, mm. like certain temples have. Mm. So, But in, the, in a general household, like I said before also, it is... At the maximum, two dishes, yeah. like a, a, a dal and a sabzi and maybe yogurt, yeah. curd. 
So yeah, that's and a, a, bit... and a, a, a pickle, right? Oh yeah, but uh, we don't generally put pickles into the thali. They're oh, no, there no. on the dining table. You scoop it out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also a thing. Like, oh god, I can talk about this forever. Uh, but uh, so even with dal, that kind of surprised me because in Sweden we eat dal with rice mm-hmm. usually, and then um, first you told me, oh, we don't eat dal just as a dal. I mean, some people do, I guess, but. You always have like a vegetable that right. complement or, you know, the, the doll. But can you say something about like, because every time we go to a restaurant, a restaurant, you're like, why do you always get rice with the food? How, so is that wrong? Uh, so like, uh, that comes from my Indian brain. Like, you know, because in India, if I'm going out eating at a restaurant, or even at home, it's more, more often than not either or. Right, it's not both. Mm. So uh, I would like the restaurants here, to, like you know, when I'm ordering, uh, if I'm eating out in India, I would specify that you know I want uh, a naan or a bread or something because we don't automatically pair everything like a palak paneer, mm. uh, a sag or a dal with the uh, rice. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, a dal I would understand still getting paired with rice, you know, because you know a dal is runny and everything. You uh, and it blends well with the rice. You can mix it up and you scoop it up and everything. But still, if I'm having let's say a karai paneer, mm. as is, it doesn't have the consistency or anything to work that well with uh, you know rice. So why not have it with? bread mm. and that's what i find odd and also i feel wasteful oh, yeah. like you know okay but also because you explain something about like north india versus south india so that uh yeah that comes down to uh, a regional preference as well and you know what's the staple there uh the north indian belt we've been very generously blessed with a lot of wheat mm. yes of course we grow a lot of rice and everything but wheat has been our staple diet so that's where the roti comes from and we eat it in all sorts of forms like naans and parantas and everything. Down south, it tends to be, or wherever they've been more coastal regions, we have, they have more uh, curries. Mm. <laughs> so th- that's more or less has been with rice. Mm. And um, so what, like your favorite dishes? Oh, well, there are a few that uh-huh. uh, always make the cut. Kari chawal. Wait, slow. <laughs> Kari chawal, which is basically uh, rice with uh, a yogurt-based... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, that's the thing with pakoras, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. A yogurt-based uh, <laughs> sauce. Yeah. Not, not. I'm not going to say curry. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, with the... Uh, uh, onion fritters, pakoras mm. l- on top or mixed in. Uh, oh, we have to post that on on Indian enough. Absolutely, because it's a it's a very like um, Swedish friendly dish. Oh. It's very mild, you know. Oh yes, mm. uh, unless and until you don't bite bite into the dry chili. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then there's uh, rajma chawal, mm. which is basically red kidney beans and rice. Like a, like a like stew. Like a stew, yes. Mm. Then there is uh, guilty palak paneer. Mm-hmm. 
Chole Bature. Can't run away from those. And that's also like, that, that's uh, we have a recipe on Indian enough. Punkt uh, uh, And it's like a chickpea stew with tea leaves and mm. spices. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And I remember the first time I was making, you were like, tea leaves? What's going to Where are the tea leaves going to? They're going to float in there. No, they didn't. No, it's so good. Uh, and then there's, oh, alu paratha. Oh. Oh. Yeah. And we have, we can, and when it comes, oh, and arbi, which is from the yam family. Mm. So it's like, you know, like a dry veggie with lots of uh, onions and tomatoes. It's like a, yeah, it's, it tastes kind of like a it's, potato. Yeah, it's pretty, it's starchier than a potato, yeah. if I might say, mm. if the, the word is correct. And we have uh, the the regulars like samosa and everything. Mm. What's your? Uh, I have one question left. We have to do another podcast and Absolutely. talk about even more. Uh, maybe more about the lifestyle and yeah. Have your people call my people. Yeah. Uh, what's your uh, like best or like strongest food memory? Oh. it doesn't have to be anything I made for you. <laughs> it won't be. <laughs> Max Hertoriat. Uh, no, if you t- uh, food memories from back home uh-huh. would be oh wait, there's quite a few, but nothing comes to mind right now. Oh wow, you got the questions in advance. <laughs> <laughs> but I was learning Swensk. Uh, well, they're in English, but that's fine. Uh, no. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, you're studying. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Uh, from uh, my childhood, I, what I remember is that uh, when, so we're not that big on uh, desserts mm-hmm. in India, like, you know, like like cakes or cookies or anything that sort. So I remember like, you know, whenever as kids, you're like, oh, I want dessert. I want dessert. And my our mother would be like, there's bread. Take that. Lather it up with malai, which is basically uh Cream? Cream, yeah. Like, like, like a fat, like fat, a fat cream. cream. <laughs> Sprinkle sugar on it and just eat it. Mm. And that, right now, that's for, for some odd reason, that popped up in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I want something sweet right now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I love talking to you. I love listening to you talking about India and Indian food. And it's just, yeah, it's so... Oh, uh, if I might add one more thing <laughs> to oh, the yeah, memory bit. So I've traveled. I've lived outside my home and everything, blah, 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 and all that stuff. But the first time you met Chole Bature, mm-hmm. that was like, I pardon my language. That was like awesome. I mean, I, I literally had, you know, my eyes were, I'm very emotional and yeah, and all that stuff. But my eyes were literally teared up <laughs> because not only did it smell like you know the fragrance was home the taste was at home and it was like mm. so yeah oh, oh. tusen tack for that <laughs> varsågod tack för att du gästade Vegopodden varsågod <laughs> and uh, följ indianenough.se uh, och följ oss på instagram indian-enough ha det bra hejdå Vegopodden finns där poddar finns. Lyssna gärna på våra andra inspirerande, tänkvärda, roliga och intressanta avsnitt om grönmat och livsstil. Du har väl inte missat tidningen Vegos, Sveriges första och största helt vegetariska mattidning. 
Vi blandar alltid enkel vardagsmat med rolig festmat, nya produkter, intressanta reportage, inspirerande personer och mycket mer. Lösnummer, det hittar du i butik eller så prenumererar du till specialpris på vegomagasinet.se. 